0: Welcome to The Vine, a plant media project podcast with your hosts,
1: Elizabeth Sheldon
0: and Gina Vensel. The Vine is an insightful look into the world of plant medicine, exploring the changing landscape around cannabis and psychedelics and ending the stigma through educational discussions. Today we're speaking with Sean Hawking, co-founder of the Cannabis Law Report and Cannabis Law Journal, a free access online publication with daily news, legislation, updates, and information on regulated and regulating cannabis markets around the world. He's our first international guest on the Vine coming to us from Australia. In addition to being a publisher, he also runs an independent record label, Metal Postcard Records. As described by his colleague, Sean is absolutely brilliant and wickedly funny, and is one of the few individuals I have met that is absolutely no filter and restrict the flow of his thoughts from his brain to his pen and his tongue. Well, you came to the right place. Um, you can say whatever you want here, Sean, and we're so glad to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank
2: you very much for having me, and I'll keep my language as clean as possible.
1: Not on You just be you, Sean. You're good. Right. That's right. So definitely a big welcome to you. I, we appreciate it. It's early in the morning for you. Um, we'd love to begin with just learning about how you first became acquainted with cannabis and then uh, an advocate.
2: Uh, well, acquainted with acquainted with cannabis was a very long time ago, uh, <laughs> <laughs> very very long time ago indeed. At a party, age fourteen. But no, I mean in, ter- in, terms, of, uh, in terms of in terms um, of. Regulated cannabis and talking about it and thinking about it. I suppose my background is legal publishing uh, has been for 30 years now. Um, I happen to be living in uh, Portland, Oregon around 2014, 2015. And um, as legislation was passed there, and I noticed that nobody was writing about cannabis for lawyers, about lawyers. And of course, uh, law and regulation is everything that, you know, Greece is makes everything work so um I just started writing a publication you know using using WordPress like everybody else um was roundly ignored laughed at um I think I could find maybe 15 business cannabis lawyers at the time um and I just started reporting on what was happening and who was doing what where and I've been doing it seven days a week since then um 20,000 articles on the on the site and uh yeah you know, it started with the u s you know west coast went to the middle now it's on the East coast and now it's international, so I just try and keep everything up to date and let people know what who's doing what where how, and how to sort of understand the complete confusion that is regulated cannabis in the u s and around the world
0: well, that's a lot, and that takes a lot and like you said back when you started it i mean this was this is a lot so can you rewind like how did you? How did you even have this skill set? Like tell us a little bit more about your background to how you got to this place because I mean this is a lot of information. Yeah, I mean look,
2: essentially my background is in publishing. I I started working after University for Random House and then actually I moved out here to Australia and there were not weren't many jobs at the time, so I ended up in legal publishing, not the world's most exciting area of business, but that's that's what became my my business. I did that for 20 years serving law librarians, big law firms, understanding the sort of information they needed in order to understand the law, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so just you, I could see there was a space in the market and nobody was writing about that per se. Everybody was writing about our business, making money. But uh, people need to understand all the really boring stuff and especially lawyers, obviously, and they need to know what's happening in other jurisdictions. Um so that you know essentially that 's why I write that 's why I initially wrote the the website the website now i 've sort of um I grow things organically. I don't really like to like stick with one particular thing. Is I saw that there was a there was a market for lawyers to understand what was going on, and now I have a lot of lawyers reading me around the world and other professionals. So now I'm trying to widen that and make 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 the law a little bit easier to understand for the general person in the street, basically. And and you know, for instance, if you're here in Australia or you're there in in the UK or in Europe. You probably don't really understand that the u s is a state by state by state um issue at the moment, so it's just getting it's just it's just helping people through that process and uh helping business through that process and providing information for free and being able to you know be an old fashioned editor basically um I'm not a platform i'm an old fashioned editor and i i I wake up every morning I have four hundred emails in my inbox and I choose what I think it should be you know shared. This week or today. And so today, if you look at the site, it's New York, New York, New York, New York, New York, New mm-hmm. York. That's all it is. Uh, although mm-hmm. I did notice that Cuomo uh, sent out his tweet and signed off on April the 1st. So uh, who, who knows whether it's real or not?
0: <laughs> is it a fool's joke or not? We shall see. <laughs> exactly.
2: The right. So we'll, we'll see. That it's, <laughs> it's, it's happening and it's uh, it's going to happen very fast. They, they, they,
0: it's very exciting for me because I live right below New York and Pennsylvania and we have a bipartisan bill, the very first one of its kind in our state. So I'm really excited about this because as all the states surrounding me start becoming adult use legal, it's putting all the pressure on uh, on our state to do the no, right the thing. The the right
2: was, yeah, he was just waiting for New Jersey to make that decision and get it. And the governor just sat on it, sat on it, sat on it. But as soon as he signed, you knew that New York was going to move ahead really, really quickly.
1: Well, Maryland missed out, you know, this session. Yep. They they didn't. It didn't happen. So um, I know we're we're small, but uh, I think they really missed out and it lets everybody else get further ahead. Um so, what is the current state of cannabis in Australia? Uh, is it the current state medicinal? of it, The current state of
2: cannabis in Australia is uh, is as convoluted and sort of complicated in an Australian way as the, as the U.S. market. So, here at the moment, um, uh, federally, we have as we can access medical cannabis uh, to an extent, but uh, it. When Australians create legislation, they don't create legislation in the same way that they do in the US. Uh, Yes, they do federally and they do by state, but uh, the thinking behind it is different. So normally Australians create legislation to either um, enable a few people to do something or enable things not to happen. And that's exactly how they've created their medical cannabis. So now we have a few companies who uh, probably have close political links with uh, federal and state government, not probably, they definitely do. Um, And they're actually trying to create a medic. they're more interested in creating a medical pharmaceutical market for export to build companies rather than serve patients at the moment. Although there may be a change in that thinking coming along, but, Um, hopefully very soon people are beginning to lose their patients uh, with with that sort of behaviour. So we have, I think, something like 100,000 supposedly um, registered medical patients. That's probably only half that number in reality, but it's very hard for them to access medical cannabis because the medical cannabis being grown here is being sent overseas. Most of our medical cannabis comes from Health Canada, And because of the uh, pandemic, Health Canada have slowed down their approval process. And then when it actually gets here, it's got to go through another set of processes with the uh, Therapeutic Goods Administration, TGA here. Um, So I I know at the moment there's a big shortage of medical flower here in Australia. um, And there aren't very many. For instance, you couldn't buy a vape product. uh, Very difficult to get a topical product there 's a few oils, but they have to go through a very laborious situation uh, to actually get hold of the of of that particular um, medicine for any any given individual so
1: it's- so, are you saying that it's crossing and at sea, like Australia's? You know, shipping out and Canada shipping into you? Well,
2: that's exa- That's exactly right. Is um, in order to build their their share price, most of these companies are creating uh, medicinal product that goes through a whole range of tests and you know uh, research, etc. And then once once they have created a pharmaceutical product they are then exporting that overseas in order to earn... They don't even earn that much money on on the actual product. Most of the stuff they're sending overseas at the moment, very small amounts, um, are then going into trials in EU uh, EU countries. Uh, Interestingly, there's a couple of Canadians just coming in at the moment. It's very... I could you could, you could talk about it for a very long time, but Australia had a lot of uh, US and Canadian companies involved in the market. And then they all got out of the market, and now they're all coming back into the market. Apparently, we're going to have a huge uh, greenhouse um, construction both in Victoria and in Toowoomba, which is in Queensland, um, and they're both meant to be like you know after Canada the biggest indoor greenhouses in the world. But as we know, in the US market. Uh, that that sort of thing are, are white elephants already. So if you think about the Australian market, think about the US in about two thousand and twelve. That's the best way to think about it. Um the,
0: Is it different for CBD? You can't. CBD. It, you know-
2: so the TGA has just approved CBD at one hundred and fifty mg a, a a serve, a portion, whatever whatever we call it. Uh, but that has to go through. A process in order to be sold in a pharmacy from, and it has to be delivered by the pharmacist over the counter with advice. So you can't go into, uh, you can't go into a store, you can't go into a gas station and just buy CBD. Um, and you you can't really, you can't as yet buy CBD from a pharmacist. They they just approved new rules in the last eight to 12 weeks and it'll take a year for products to be approved by the tga so cbd you 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 can't find it the only way you get cbd in australia is buying it online having it sent in and a good 60 percent of it will be found by you know so essentially it's illegal to buy it overseas and bring it in Mm, so you, you, you can't you can't do that at all that said, there are some positive things happening in Australia. So, in our in our territory called the ACT, uh, which is a bit like Washington DC, it's where our government is. Uh, the local territory there has introduced legislation into the parliament that passed last year that allows people to grow up to four plants, and they've decriminalised uh, possession of of small amounts. Uh, you still, it's still illegal to buy uh, cannabis seeds. So although you can grow a plant, you can't hmm. legally buy, buy the seeds. Uh, which, which is legislation we've seen before in the US as well. So, um, and in Western Australia, in the past few weeks, uh, due to some complicated politics that's not worth going into, we actually they actually have a senator in the state parliament now who's a member of a of a, a cannabis party. Uh, they got in on something like uh, 0.2% of the vote because we have a thing called preferences here. But um, there's also the Green Party here is beginning to be more proactive about uh, decriminalisation of cannabis and in New South Wales, actually thinking about a regulated environment for both recreational and medicinal cannabis. But they see that as a... Bit of a vote getter and a long-term political game. Uh, they see it in the same way as same-sex marriage. You start now and you get it in ten years' time. So if you're if you're looking at Australia for um, a regulated cannabis market that allows you to get it as medicine, uh, maybe five years. If you're looking at um, if you're looking at recreational, five, seven, ten years. I think. But uh, it could look um, a change of government could come in, and a domino could fall. Like in the US, Um, it's a it's a really interesting market globally over the last sort of I'd say eighteen months because things that couldn't you couldn't perceive happening um, can now actually happen. And Australia loves the rules and regulations and following international rules and regulations. So if the UN is persuaded at some point to deschedule everything. All bets are off. Oh.
1: So,
0: would you say that there is a place in the world that, that is doing cannabis right? Like, are there countries that you would say are doing this right that have the right? Kind no, of program, I would only or say or there really...
2: was, there, I would only say there are that Canada is sort of doing it right. Uruguay is sort of doing it right. Um, I still believe in Oregon. I think Oregon. I think Oregon and Washington State uh, do it more right than anybody else on the planet. They introduce it's it's because they have that uh, that culture of um, being quite forward thinking, but quite conservative at the same time. And I think it will behove any U.S. state to look at those two states and see everything that they've been through, how they've managed it and how they're still managing it and not ne- they never let go of it. They They debate it. They talk about it and they improve it. And I think that's that's the only way anything can happen until uh, something happens in Washington. And something isn't going to happen. Biden's not going to do anything this year. He's got other things on his. Fair enough. I think he's got other things on his plate, and uh, and he and he needs to get rid of that prior political culture that we just had for the far, past four years. And he's, he's doing a pretty good job. And he you know he has to he has to walk a fairly fine line. Yeah, he's obviously.
0: Other than he fired some people in the White House for using cannabis, that was a little crazy.
2: That is a little crazy, uh, and I totally agree. And it's not just in the White House. He's also, I mean, I reported on this last couple of days. It's also now coming out that the the same rules and regulations have been applied in other government departments. But at the same time, he he doesn't want to give um, any anything away to the Republicans. And they say, oh, yeah, they're just all a bunch of drug takers. So he, he, he you know, he's got to play a, 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 a certain... And he, look, he's conservative. He's, you know, he's got to get that vote in, the middle vote in, in, in order to, you know, either stay in in four years' time or get somebody else in, you know. Otherwise, we, we return to the chaos, basically. And we don't need to return to that chaos because that chaos has been reflected all around the world. So Australia now, in our politics... Well, like the US was three years ago. If you look at local Australian polit- uh, federal politics at the moment, it's uh, it's beyond depressing. Uh, there's, uh, I, it's, well, I'll go off subject, and I can be off subject for another half an hour <laughs> on, on Australian politics. So, but there's there's a lot of very unpleasant things happening in this country at the mm. moment that is a reflection of what happened in the US, um, and we you know we don't need to go there again for a while. I don't think,
1: to be honest. So, so it's not going to be a commodity for some time. No, it's not. Maybe it's, uh, not in my lifetime. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, no, no, not in Australia. But, it, it's a, but as a black market commodity, it's extremely profitable for the black market in, 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 in Australia. Australians will pay more for their cannabis, LSD, MDMA, cocaine. We, we, we consume more of it per head and we pay for more. We pay more. It's a very, very profitable market. Um, so it, it provides a great uh, opportunity for the illegal market to grow and grow and grow. And we're, we've actually, during the pandemic, had an, a, a big um, uh, national, I don't know what, what if the police forces are talking to each other, but the uh, enforcement has gone up by 50 to 60 percent, I've noticed, in the last 14, 15 months. And that enforcement mainly has been on a lot of... Um, Big illegal grows here in Australia. It's a very big country, so you can people grow everywhere. But it's just going to create further problems for them because um, you know the the South Americans, the Mexicans, they they'll bring it across the Pacific, they'll, uh, and they and they do, and they can afford to lose good half of their shipments and still make huge amounts of money out of the Australian market because the Australian market, as they is prepared to pay a lot of money for their we can. We could call them illegal, or we can call them scheduled drugs, whichever whichever we want to call them.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you, this is I don't know if it's a little bit off topic, but I wanted to talk a little bit about um, this isolating of cannabinoids because the delta eight, particularly is kind of in this gray area in America where it's falling under the farm bill. It's an isolated cannabinoid, which can, in larger quantities, make you feel a little high, which CBD is not supposed to do, right? So it's falling under this kind of gray area. What my question is, is that because of the legalities of this, uh, what I've seen and heard and listened to on Clubhouse and, and read is that a lot of times because this Delta 8 is not having to go through any of the same processes of being tested, that it's able to all of a sudden Delta 8 is showing up in cartridges and gas stations, um, sold in flour and random shops that are not even having anything to do with cannabis. And you know, I'm always very curious about how I personally feel about these isolated cannabinoids because you know, it's like, okay, well, maybe CBD isn't really that good for sleep, maybe CBN is the, the cannabinoid that we should isolate for that but isn't the whole flower just better and you know is this going to cause even more k- chaos for isolating it Yep.
2: no my personal <laughs> view is that, you know nature grew something um over millions of years and that's you know it's made it's made the perfect uh, the perfect connection of the right amounts of everything but human beings being as they are love to take things apart and then some of the some some human beings love to then try and sell that. What, what doesn't matter what, what it does to people because they but because they're obsessed with money. So, and this is what the website is about it's all about regulation. Unfortunately, human beings will act in a certain way, and therefore, if they do act in a certain way, we need to regulate for that as quickly as possible. Uh, a, a, a great example so CBD is a great example, and say CBD out of China or out of romania five years ago where people just grew whatever they processed it in whatever fashion and then it got white labeled and put in a thing and then somebody put a nice purple flower and called it some silly silly name and sold it in gas stations and somebody made lots of money and a few people got sick and the, the issue was you know uh delta eight and then whatever the next one is and then whatever the next one is i mean you know the you know scientists are saying and um i can't remember the guy in israel but you know he can now isolate 108 or something or 250 you know, you know so it, it, it's not going to stop this this is how human beings act and this is especially how pharmaceutical companies because they're basically half the cannabis companies they might call themselves cannabis companies but they really want to just be pharmaceutical companies and then they'll sell other stuff as well uh, just that cannabis is a great way to you know get you into a market to a certain type of individual then you can sell them other stuff so i think is you know with with this sort of stuff is um the the industry needs to regulate itself and it needs to work with uh, experienced uh, legal professionals and academics uh, as quickly as possible to legislate something sensible and unfortunately that's hard because it's you know every single state has got to do that separately but if you don't what happens is then you start getting reefer madness again and go, well, cannabis is bad. It's all bad. Close it all down. There's no good. And you're back to where you started. So now I, I, you know, information regulation is always the way. Uh, and unfortunately you can't stop what I call American hypercapitalism. It just, it's, it's, it's built into, it's built into the, to the way the country thinks. So um, somehow you have to, You can't build it out but you have to you know as quickly as possible it's like a i mean i would imagine in a couple of years time as well as having the fda you're going to have to have something like an sec for the cannabis industry um to 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 manage across a range of issues um how the industry because the, the industry doesn't like policing itself at all that's one thing i've noticed over the years it's just you know it's like ah we can make lots of money let's just get on and do you know let's just so i i looked recently into how some thc delta 8 was made i published i mean it was you know boiling and it was it's like something out of um, macbeth or something it was it was really why would you want to put that in your system but of course if you're a 17 year old and you think it's going to like get you high you, you You don't care. You just consume this stuff, and you know, I'm not going to live beyond 40. And then suddenly, when you're 55, and it's making you sick. (laughs)
0: <laughs> or you're really uneducated and you don't know if you could even get a medical card in your state and then you just see it at the gas station and you're like, oh, maybe I'll just try this. And what I'm concerned about is that people try it for the first time, like you said, and then it maybe it makes them really sick or it's not a good product. And then they label that, well, all cannabis must be back. Yeah.
2: Well, exactly and right. what
0: I hate about this is that without this regulation, people are getting these terrible products. And therefore, I feel like they're going to create these assumptions in their mind about what cannabis is. And that's not truly the whole plant, like you said. that's not the way nature intended it well
2: exactly right look i've got i mean one of the reasons i got into this is i've got a i've got a um a child he's now 18 so when i got into it he was 14 or whatever and you know i started smoking you know hashish when i was 14 years old and you know um law enforcement hell you know i i don't want my child to, to have to deal with those things and you know if you can have a sensible approach you're never going to cover every single base because that's just not the reality of dealing with human beings but if you can create something and that's again why I always say go back to Oregon because they do seem to have created something Uh, and every time another one pops up there's somebody there to say oh we should look at that and and talk about it sensibly and not create like an anti-Delta 8 you know program at the same time we shouldn't be selling it in every gas station find that happy medium you know if it is if it is good for certain things make sure that that's all it's um available for whether that's controlled by pharmacists or doctors or whether that means you know you can you can only be 21 when you buy it, all those sorts of things it's it's creating rules and regulations for those sorts of things so um you, you know you have an industry that is respected by the general public. I mean, it's for me, it's fairly basic stuff. It's just you know, it's having common sense. But uh, um, I had a very English grandmother uh, who who was all about common sense, and um, and so I had that drilled into me at a, at a very young age. And so a lot of what I see around me is just people without common sense, and that you just think you know, just 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 stop and think for a little bit, um, and that that might help. But anyway, we just, we, you know, I think I say this week it's Delta 8, next, you know, by the end of the year there'll be something else. And then next year there'll be something exactly. else. And we have to create mechanisms to to manage that. And that's, um, hopefully I can contribute to the debate on that. And one of the things with the website that I've just launched is um, a thing called Global Forum, um, which isn't really a platform. It's more, it's again, it's editorial, editorially controlled. But I'm trying to invite people from around the world who who want to think about policy advocacy, who are outside the industry, um, but are interested in the subject or are, uh, you know, so that means you're either a a smoker or a medical cannabis user or a policymaker or an academic, people who, who aren't making money from cannabis. And I want to try and put them all in the same place around the planet so somebody in Australia can talk to somebody in the UK who can talk to somebody in South Africa, who can talk to somebody in Canada who can talk to somebody. Because I think at the moment, this is the problem is the industry is geographically located in North America and it's become very powerful and for a number of reasons that we all know, so I don't need to explain it. And then there's a lot of other people who are trying to think about, for uh, easier term the, the all the good things that can be done, but they're all sort of going down different paths and feel quite separate and I'd love to join up those individuals and smaller organizations um to be able to talk to one another and um you know organically in, in that process create groups that can actually challenge the powers that be that have grown through making money within this industry. Um, so, for example, at the moment i 'm writing a lot of stories about the um, Black Farmers Association of South Africa who are trying to see whether they i mean and they talk about a, a range of crops marijuana cannabis is just one of their crops um, and they 're talking about the fact that at the moment it's it 's just big companies, normally white owned companies running the their medical cannabis growing industry in South Africa. How can they combat that and have smaller local black farmers do the same thing? In the UK, I'm talking to three sets of people who have decided that uh, trying to change legislation with regard to cannabis is a pointless exercise. So they're all taking different uh, cases under the Human Rights Act to the um, Supreme Court of the UK to try and challenge them on it being a human right to smoke cannabis in your own home and here in australia as i said you know the greens are, are trying to write legislation so i'm trying to help them and connect them with other people and i think that's the really important thing now at this stage of the industry because that's the term everybody's saying the industry and it it shouldn't just be the industry it should be it should be the the entire body of people who are interested in cannabis and there's a lot of people who aren't, who, who aren't industry and they don't they don't feel as though they have the power to say, say anything. And as much as, you know, we are talking about Clubhouse and platforms, and everything. I, I think the problem with those a lot of those places is you can listen to people's ideas, but um, rarely because, A, I don't like people collecting my data, and B, I don't think there's any editorial control or management, um, again, this is where I'm quite old-fashioned, about how um, Conversations can be directed or formulated I'm, I'm trying to create somewhere where people can really see uh, great information and then communicate on specific things that interest them and find the right individuals uh, in other parts of the world to really create arguments that um, that will challenge some of the existing thinking at the moment um, I think everything has a
1: so, how do how do people get involved? It's very simple. You come to the
2: website, podcast. and you and then you can list yourself for free, um, and just say, "I want to speak to so and so about this and that." And I've or I've written a paper, and we publish it. And I, you know, I as an editor in the middle will say, oh, "You know, maybe you should be speaking to this individual or that organization." So, at the moment, li- literally, I've only launched this um, page in the last two or three weeks, but we're already working with a um a lawyer in new york who's uh, launched the uh, new york city um lawyers association and hudson um one for the for rural people um and talking to some let's say three organizations in the in the in the uk also talking to a, very interestingly somebody in colorado putting together um judges who have had enough of have, having their court time wasted basically by pointless and they're, all, they're, they're about to have a symposium at a university in, in California later this year, which will then discuss all the issues about how they all get together and, and there's all these groups and they're all working separately um, and you know a lot of people also are a bit older, so're they're, they're not they're not great at you know constantly being uh, being on Twitter or in clubhouse or on Instagram and all these sorts of things and they have to do things in the, you know to connect them they have to have actively have individuals connecting them and and then suggesting to them because they 're you know busy professionals as well that maybe it 's a good idea now you 've got say this group in the in the u s of judges why don 't you talk to u k judges and then oh why don 't you talk to australian why don 't you talk to Zambian judges because they 've all got the same problems around the world and once they all get once they become international suddenly uh politicians um start paying attention and that's that's the thing is to get politicians to pay attention.
1: That's the key. And I think
2: so you know, and if they can politicians can divide and rule, that's exactly what they'll do. So I just want to be part of the process that allows people to create bigger groups in their areas of interest that are outside making money in the world of cannabis and saying, you know, we're a bit sick and tired of this. you you know, we need you we need you to listen on these issues because at the moment it just seems to be Um, companies making decisions
1: well and i think even amongst like the industry it's very fractured and i you know i debate this with gina all the time just how can you pull everything together and people together because there are these different factions there are these different groups and you know the people who want to make money the people who want to respect the plan people you know. I don't know. I'm glad you're doing it at your level because you're right. It, it's the power that then speaks to the legislators who make the rules. Exactly. And
2: look, you know, five years ago, I couldn't have done this. But now, you know, I think this month for last is the first month we got a million impressions on the site in a month. Uh, and so congratulations. So now people think that I'm important or I, I know something. I mean, I'm no more I'm no different than I was Five years ago, but you have to go through the process for people to perceive you in a certain way. I'm sure you understand that. Both with 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 this podcast is, you know, we you know when you when you start, three people are listening, and when you get to a certain level, then people, you know, you're saying exactly the same thing, but more people are listening, and they're either agreeing or disagreeing with you. But the fact is, they're part of the conversation, and that, I I I feel as though uh, with the cannabis law report we've got to the stage where people actually beginning to listen to what we're saying and essentially all I'm trying to do is create a space for anybody with any opinion that is fairly intelligent and fairly balanced <laughs> to 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 say their thing and then other other people can can you know form their own opinions on actually reading something or listening to something i prefer them to read something which is always a little bit of a harder push these days but um that's,
0: and you've created all of this for free. I mean, people can go to your website and get all this education and get all this knowledge. So, if the listeners that happen to be listening to this podcast that have some money that they want to give to you, I mean, you have some sponsorships available, or how, how can we ensure that this doesn't go away? I mean, you're putting so much time and effort into putting in Yes, putting my, my this business partner, so, I mean, there's space. two of
2: us. <laughs> I do the content, my business partner um, does the tech uh we earn a little bit of money off content marketing we have a couple of very small sponsorships because law getting money out of law money law firms will take money out of you but uh, getting money out of a law firm is like getting blood out of a stone i can tell you so no we don't we don't earn anything if um we're happy to talk to anybody about sponsorship we don't normally go out and ask for it because we don't expect to get it um yeah but um I, I'm, I'm very happy to take sponsorship as long as people understand that there's full editorial independence and uh, by, by handing money. I mean, for example, we work with an investigative journalist. She's actually an SEC investigative journalist in New York called Terry Bull. Uh, it's, a, it's a great name. I sometimes wonder whether she actually made it up after she was born, but um, she's in a very, very proactive investigative journalist on SEC issues. And we write articles about individuals and companies. Well, she does uh, based not on hearsay, but on lawsuits um, and and get people very, very upset. Um, There's a couple of them not very happy with us at the moment at all, because, um, there's a lot of things happening in the in the markets to do with cannabis that shouldn't be happening so we do have opinion and we have quite forceful opinion and we're looking for more forceful opinion so if if you want to sponsor that that's fine but if if sponsorship uh, implies that there isn't an independence and editorial um we'd rather i'd rather just eat once a day to be honest um, that's
0: oh, you're amazing, honestly. Rem-ha-ha. I mean, you're providing so much great content, and I'd love to see companies outside of just law firms understanding the importance of what you're doing and what you're building, and the the power of the content that you're providing. So, yeah, just very so grateful to have you here today <laughs> to share all this info. <laughs> and but you know before we we end though I you know as a music enthusiast myself I want to mention how cool it is that you run a label and I wanted to if you could just tell us a little bit more about your interest in music how you got there and a little bit more about your music label
2: okay well uh, I'm English I grew up in the 1970s and so uh, uh, myself and all my friends male and female we define ourselves by music uh, you know when we when we were seven it was David Bowie. When we were fourteen it was the Sex Pistols. When we were nineteen to twenty it was Acid House, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so uh, that's my if I could be, if I could be making money out of my record label, I, I probably wouldn't be doing cannabis. Um, <laughs> music music is music is life, Every, music is everything. But uh, I started a record actually I started a record label with a friend that was an art project and then um as uh, much as I love Ben, he, he doesn't move quite as fast as me. So I just, I've always wanted to start my own independent label. So i um, I worked with in, I've worked with independent artists around the world for the last twenty years. Uh, the main thing is I say to them at first is, uh, don't expect to make money, and we'll just release great music. So I've I've released music by um, bands from Cambodia to India to the US, UK, Australia. Um, a couple have become sort of mildly well-known. Um, Cambodian space project got quite big, not well, big, but mediumly sized, big for a while. There was a band out of um, Portland, Oregon, young young guys called White Fang, who uh, got quite well known in the sort of punky scene. But essentially, I I I uh, I, I I spent my life savings. Uh, making records for for bands that didn't sell and cds and so now i just do um I'm, I'm digital online and streaming um metal postcard records metal postcard records band camp uh check us out and the other thing is i do a lot of uh like yourself i do a lot of um sort of uh podcast djing and podcast uh radio stations. so i've been doing a four hour monthly for a radio station called dandelion in the uk which is inspired by a DJ called John Peel, uh, who was, he's the man who you, you wouldn't know about Jimi Hendrix, Pink Floyd, the Sex Pistols, the Clash, the Smiths, the White Stripe, without that man, nobody would know of these bands. They wouldn't exist. They wouldn't exist. They, They would have been ignored. Um, so, um, and I grew up listening to him between 10 and 12 every night, um, under my sheets on our old transistor radio when I was a, when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I'm sort of informed by what he does what well, what he did, because he passed away in the early two thousands. And, um, I now do a Spotify podcast, um, every week called bottom of the pops. So in the, in the UK and um, finished in the nineties, there was a show every week called top of the pops where the top chart, I like the billboard charts. And, uh, so I've reversed that and I have, uh, Bottom of the Pops, which is uh basically um if you remember that Donald Rumsfeld uh, quote about the Iraq War about known knowns, unknown knowns, and unknown unknowns. And uh, I try and bring you I try and bring you the unknown unknowns uh, every week um on Spotify on Bottom of the Pops. And I just I just talk about music um and play music, old and new, but mostly new, that uh people would never otherwise hear because they're just dropped in an ocean of dross um and um i try and i try and i'm just that's that's why i i, I eat wake sleep and, and uh and dream it and uh, every and everybody says there's no great new music there is a most amazing amount of new music um again actually I, if i'm going on too long just stop me because i can talk about music forever um, <laughs> i love it so living in portland oregon um was a wonderful place to live for mu for music. Uh, you, there's an amazing music community there, stuck up there in the Pacific Northwest, but that's absolutely global. So um, I'm thinking of a label here called Sahel Sounds, run by Chris Kirkley, and he uh, he's now stuck up there, I think, but yeah, you know, because of the pandemic. But he spent uh, years being an explorer in places like uh, Ga- uh, Ghana, Senegal, Mali, Somalia. And just going around and finding young, new, interesting musicians um, that, and, and then releasing those and getting those into the music industry. Now, some of those are actually quite famous. And there's another guy out there called Eric who has Mississippi Records, one of the best record shops on the planet. And uh, So I always uh, talk about what Eric does and his label. Um, and, they, they, you know, he plays... He, he finds music from the past that nobody ever heard at the time and nobody would ever know about now and makes sure people, you know, and it's those sorts of people, um, you know, starting a label was a wonderful thing, but being involved in the music industry was really appalling. So I sort of, um, I got ripped off quite a few times. I think I'm the only label to being ripped off by artists and as well as, yeah, but distributors and all those, they're just dreadful people, just dreadful, the, the whole thing. So, I'm, I'm trying to find a space in that where people can discover new, you know, and I'm not interested in genres. I, you know, you were talking about hip hop earlier. I mean, people saying, oh, hip hop is it's, you know not very exciting at the moment. That, there's new young hip hop artists out there. Uh, so the one I'll push this week and is a guy from South Central LA called Paris, Texas. He's only done one thing and he's amazing. Absolutely incredible!
0: Uh, Thank you for those nuggets. We need, I we know. need that, and well, I'll make sure that when we when we promote this podcast, when we post everything on our website, that I'll put links to your yes. your episodes into your record you label very much. because you know we want it as much as we love cannabis as well. You know, music goes hand in hand, and we want to make sure. Well, that that we that's, and, that and that that's when,
2: when I started home. cannabis. I mean, it's a good way to finish because nobody ever talks about cannabis and music. I mean, to me, it's the most obvious thing of all time. Yes, uh, and yes. and. Yeah, you know, people can't really get past you know, one Bob Marley track. And you were talking about reggae earlier. I grew up in the West Indies as a kid, um, so uh, the, the West Indian music of not just reggae but all West Indian music is informed by um, smoking the herb. And there is there there is a lot more than Bob and Peter Tosh out there. I can tell you. And uh, hope I try and bring that to you every week as well. So I'm uh, I'm. I, Sorry, I'll stop now because otherwise you'll never no, hear the it's end. So of it. No, so
0: fantastic. Now I wanted to make sure I, we brought it up though, because you know it's it's it to me it was just as exciting to know that you you loved music as much as I do because I don't have a label but I've been promoting music in, in my hometown for over fifteen years and it's something that I really believe in and with this pandemic I mean the entertainment industry has just been completely upside down and so really supporting those independent artists and and you know as we come out of this you know spending money on buying their records buying their merch you know attending shows when we can you know putting that energy back into the music scene it's just so important so i'm glad that you're taking to- those nuggets, totally agree. Those, those great that great music and putting it out there when people haven't heard it i just love it to-
2: totally agree and don't buy your tickets through live nation is my
0: <laughs> <laughs> straight from the band we'll go there we'll go there well, we just appreciate you so much sean thank you thank so much you. for joining us
2: thank you very much for having me it's been been wonderful especially to talk about music so that's great
0: thank you for tuning in to another episode of the vine a plant media project podcast subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and never miss an episode and for cannabis and psychedelic news visit us online at plantmediaproject.com